Hey Life Canton, Roger here, one of the directors. So glad that you're with us, whether you're a first-time listener or a returning listener. If you are brand new, came in a great time. We're in the middle of a series all about revival, where we're talking about what God can do and will do in our community and in our church. And whenever we talk about that, we can also talk about participation, how we participate in what God is up to. And one of the ways, whether for first-time visitors or uh, faithful returning listeners, is to give to give generously and faithfully to what God is up to. If you have given before, we thank you for that. If this is your first time, we would welcome you and invite you into that opportunity. You can use our Church Center app or head over to our website. But like I said, we're in the middle of a series all about revival, and today we have a special guest, a returning special guest, uh, Mr. Vincent Tinch. He has spoken for us before, and I love his energy uh, and his passion, his wisdom that he brings whenever he speaks. So give that a listen. He's going to talk all about revival uh, and rest give that a listen and i'll catch up with you in just a minute testing testing let every glad heart say amen 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 Amen. Amen. what's up life church canton hey y'all hype huh okay i like this i like it i like it i like it Listen, I am honored to be with you today. If you don't know who I am, I am Vincent. I am a servant of God, and I'm just honored that you guys invited me out. I'm here with my family, my beautiful wife over there in that wonderful red sweater. We've been together now 27 years, since we were 14, right? Um, And now I have a 14-year-old daughter who's sitting next to her now, and so I'm nervous, right? (laughs) But, you know, my girls, they call them Tinch Nation, all four of my girls. Hopefully you guys see them around here. And then we got my nephew, TJ the DJ, who said, I really want to be with you next time you go preach, unk. And he came to my house yesterday and spent the night so he can come hear the word of God. Really excited to have them with us. It's my job right now to welcome you to Life Church Canton's hybrid service. Let me tell you what's uh, special about a hybrid service. This is one of the gifts that we got from the pandemic, okay? It has made it easier than ever for us to share the Word of God with the people that we love because there is a service that's going on right here in person and then also happening online simultaneously. So what I'm going to ask you to do is a favor for me. Well, um, I want you to take out your phone in church. That's right. The pastor's asked you to take out your phone in church, and I want you to share this message on your timeline, and then you'll become what we call here in Life Church a digital evangelist. It's the easiest way to bring those people you love in presence of the Word of God, which we think is life-changing. There's no way you can come in presence of the Word of God and leave the same way that you came. If you believe that, say amen. amen. While you're, since you said amen, I expect you to actually share it now. Okay, I'm holding you to it. And what I'm going to do is while you're sharing, I'm going to pray. It's okay to share while I'm praying, okay? Go ahead and do it. I already talked to Jesus. He said it's okay. All right, listen. Father, we come before you, God. We are grateful to be here again as one body, God, ready to pursue and go deeper into your word. God, we ask that you will show up tangibly in this service so that we can, as the old church says, get what we need. Father, we will be remiss not to remember those who are going through things right now, God. So we pray for those over in Turkey um, who just went through a horrible, horrible earthquake. We remember those families. We remember those deaths. We remember those who are injured. And we point our hearts towards them, not taking for granted uh, that you have not put that plight on us. 
So the least we can do is make sure that we send that power of prayer their way. As we focus on this service here, God, we ask God as the word goes forth that it will be truthful, that it will be helpful, and that it will be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Let every glad heart say amen. amen. Our pastoral team has that. No, that's right. I love him. He's he, he with me. <laughs> Listen, um, the, our pastoral team has done a great job putting together a series called Revival. Let's give a hand to our pastoral team. The working definition that we've been working with is this, is that revival is the restoration of the church unto a, a vital and fervent relationship with God. Now, I heard Nathan talking about saying that some people have a negative connotation with revival, um, not in the African-American context, okay? Um, in the African-American context, uh, revival was where we showed up to church with an expectation for God to be in the midst. We expected a tangible experience with God. So when you would go into that service, you would get some of the best singing. You would get some of the best preaching. And then you would see some people on the side that get a little happy and you start saying, and you might think that they're trying to show up, but they're not worried about you. They're not worried about nobody around them. What they're trying to do is what the old folks would say is get what they need. In order to be revived unto the work of God in our life. See, we didn't expect the issues of our life to go away because the plight of an African-American is tough in this world. The things that we have to face is tough. We didn't expect it to go away, but we expected to have an experience with God that would give us what we needed to go, as my grandma would say, a little while longer. I love how my wife's father, uh, her, her name is April, her father, Pastor Wilson, he would come up to the podium. He's not a person for pomp and stance. He doesn't do extra. He's not even as loud as I am right now in my speaking voice. He would come up and he would say, I look unto the hills from which cometh my help. And then he would pause. But this was not a dramatic pause. This was not for dramatic effect. This was him being intentional about coming into alignment with God. And then he would make the declaration that my help comes from the Lord. During this series, that's what we're inviting you to do, to intentionally look at the dead areas of your life with an expectation for new life, an expectation for a true and tangible experience with God, an expectation of revival. Our collective experiences teach us that there are many things in our life, that the trappings of life, that cause us to feel distant from God. Whether it's us feeling lonely, whether it's our relationships that have went sour, whether it's our mental well-being, whether it's our money, whether it's our job, whatever it is, whether it's discrimination, the things that cause us to feel further away, whether we're, uh, we've lost someone that's special to us, we went through some type of traumatic event, health issues, or life changes. That might sound a lot adult-focused. Let me talk to my teens in the building. Uh, maybe it's you going through self-esteem issues. Maybe it's you trying to fit in. Maybe it's uh, your academic expectations. Maybe it's you navigating the social situations that are present in our current society that are exacerbated by social media or to situate the difference of trying to fit in. Those things make you feel further and further and further from God. But our goal is to get you to turn that around and to start uh, the church moving toward uh, our restoration and our vital and fervent relationship with God moving towards revival. 
throughout this series, um, Nathan opened it up and he talked about revival is coming. And he set the stage. He talked about some important revivals that happened throughout history. One of them was in an African-American church, which he brought out some salient points about how they faithfully came together and started um, moving towards God together. Um, then Jared came through and talked about how revival is here, and he walked you through Acts. And then on week three, we had Sister Bridget, as she called herself. She said, Sister Bridget, not Reverend Bridget, not Pastor Bridget. <laughs> she wanted to make it real clear. Uh, and, she, and she gave you part two of Jared's message, and she said, revival is yet coming again. How many people are excited that revival is coming again? And just to show that excitement, Nathan came and pumped you up unto the, the posture of praise with a message, a fiery message entitled, Praise the Lord. Now today, what we're going to do is we're going to step in and we're going to deal with a very common psalm, Psalm 23. And we're going to read it together. Uh, as we read this together, I want you to be sensitive um, to the move of the Holy Spirit in your life. I want you to feel what is God illuminating for you throughout the scripture as you read through it back into your memory, okay? And after service, whatever word that you hear, since we don't have a long time for a lot of conversation because everybody's coming through, I want you to just tell me that word, the word that God gives you. In fact, I invite you to do that throughout the service. If there's anything in the service, a salient point that sticks out that God and the Holy Spirit allows to highlight in your life and emphasize in your life, just when you're coming through to shake my hand, just please just say that word because that gives me uh, uh, encouragement that what I'm doing to put this together is not in vain. Is that okay? Yeah. Let's work. Let's read together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My goal today is not to take you through this entire psalm because it would take an entire series to do that. Because Psalms 23 is filled with tons of imagery and metaphors. God is a shepherd. God is a host. God is a provider. God is a protector. Um, but these metaphors, I want to point out that these metaphors are important communication vehicles uh, through which you are to see a picture. I mean, this is a song. And we know what songs do, right? Songs paint pictures with words. For instance, there's a song by the great Lauryn Hill that she remade. And every time I hear it, I get a picture in my mind of my wife. It goes a little like this. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. You be like heaven to touch. Oh, how I love you so much. Oh, what? Watch out now. Hey, hey, amen. We done. Come on, man. Hey, babe. We listen to the Songs of Solomon all the way home. All right, listen. 
listen, listen. But then she would take that, and I would get this image of my wife, and then she would go and get to the point where I can express my adoration when she gets to the chorus and say, I love you, baby, and if it's quite all right, I need you, baby, through all these lonely nights, just let me love you. Woo! What happens is I get to move from image to adoration. Images are powerful. Watch this. Finish the statement for me. An image is worth a thousand words. See, what that means is this. If we get the image right, we don't need so many words. Images are extremely important and vital to us as a society. On social media, the number one thing that we interact with is what? Images, right? How many people have a cell phone in here? Every year they upgrade the cell phone. The only thing that they, they, they make better is what? The camera, right? See, what the issue is, I mean, the thing is, that what that's telling us is this. What we want to do is get the image clearer. Because the, clear, the clearer the image is, the closer we are to the experience. See, I have an image of God. Every time I go into a worship setting, I put my hands in the air and I can picture God in front of me sitting on his throne, his throne of mercy and his throne of grace. And I am transported from the sanctuary into the presence of God. And that image continues to draw me in deeper and deeper. I feel him giving me the grace and mercy that I don't deserve. I become intentionally aware of the fact that I don't belong to be in his presence, yet he invites me in his presence anyway. And it's at that moment that I am transported out of this place, and I'm drawn deeper into an experiential worship with God. We all have our image of God. My image is not your image. Your image is influenced by your context, and our goal today is to get you to sharpen that image and welcome you into a more experiential worship with God, our Savior. Look at this image. couple people tell me how does this image make you feel what is the holy spirit speaking to you when you look at this image just just yell it out what do you see peace Ooh, i love that what else we say say it again protector Ooh, yes all of that shepherd host protector provider personal present but let's let's look at the sheep when you look at the sheep and his relationship to the shepherd what do you see Trust. That's amazing. As we go throughout Psalm 23, what I want you to do is focus on this simple truth, which seems to weave itself throughout the entire scripture. And that's, the simple truth is this. The Lord is our resting place. Get that image in your head. Get that metaphor in your head. The Lord is our resting place. He's our shepherd, our host, our protector, our provider. He's personal. He's present. And because he's all of these things, we are welcome into his rest. The Lord is our resting place. Metaphors have a weakness. If the purpose of a a metaphor is to explain something unfamiliar in using familiar terms, what happens if the terms that we choose to to communicate the metaphor are not good for the audience that we're choosing to communicate to. For example, when they say that 
Jesus is the husband of the church or the church is the bride of Christ, what does that mean to a heterosexual man? How are we supposed to relate to that? Um, What does that mean to someone who's going through marital issues and maybe has a husband who is not faithful? Does that mean that God is not faithful? Uh, What does that mean to somebody who's single or a young man who has never had an image of a a husband and what a husband was supposed to be because he grew up without seeing that type of image? What does it mean when they say that we are friends of God? What if I am a person who only chooses clingy friends? Does that mean that God needs me in order to get his work done? What if I'm a lone wolf? Does it mean that I don't need God? What, what does it mean if I only choose friends who are backstabbers? Does it mean that God is untrustworthy? There's another image. He said, they say that God is our father. What does it mean if I'm a spoiled brat? Does that mean that God is going to give me everything that I need? Everything that I want, all of my heart's desires, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. What does it mean if I have a, God, a, a, a father who's not present? Does that mean that God is going to abandon me? What if I have a father who's violent and abusive? Is that the image that I should carry of God? Metaphors run the risk of creating the wrong image. And if we want to get our image right, then I need to get my metaphor right. And when I think of someone who is a protector, who is a provider, who is personal, and who is present, I don't immediately think of a shepherd. No, I think of Beatrice. Let me introduce you guys to Beatrice. Beatrice is my best metaphor of a resting place. When I was 14, I was physically assaulted in my home. That was the last straw. I was like, that's it. I'm not having this anymore. I'm not taking it anymore. So I left. Since I was 14, I guess you can say I ran away. Here I was in this unsafe neighborhood, walking down the street, meandering through this valley of the shadow of death. And I decided to call my grandmother Beatrice. And I called her and she said, don't worry, baby. I'm coming to get you. In other words, you don't have to fear Because I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. Vroom! She drove right past me, (laughs) y'all. I had to wait for her to go all the way to my house, realize I wasn't there, and then come on her way back. And I jumped in the middle of the street. Grandma, I'm right here! (laughs) She stopped the car, and she put me inside, and she took me to her house. And when I got there, that's when this psalm really comes alive. I think about I shall not want, because she would bring out these little tiny pots, cast iron skillets. Anybody from the South know about them cast iron skillets? Yeah, my country people in here. So if I I say a few things that sound a little country, just understand. Just grant me pass, okay? (laughs) She'd bring out these little tiny pots, and my my wife would come over. I told you we've been together since we were 14, right? So (laughs) she would come over, and... My grandma would ask if she wanted something to eat. My wife would get nervous. like, can she feed me out those little tiny pots? But my grandmother would make do with everything that she had. And she would, get, she would feed her. She would feed us. She would feed everyone in the house. And there would be some left over I shall not want. She reminded me of 
leading me to green pastures and allowing me, and, and allowing me to lay down in those green pastures because when, what she took me to was this house and there was green trees lined and they had grass. I didn't grow up in an environment like this. Like my environment was nothing. This was paradise to me. And I would sprawl out all over her carpet and, you know, be on, y'all remember we had the phones that actually plugged into the wall? <laughs> I'd be on that phone rolling around. I, one time I was, on that, I was in that position and I was on that phone until 6 a.m. Uh, you, why are you laughing? You should know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I was on that phone at 6 a.m. until somebody finally decided that they would go with me. You know? <laughs> Think about that. In the midst of such a violent situation, in the midst of my darkest valleys, I was able to find true love. God allowed me to rest in that situation. I'm reminded of Psalms 23 when it says that he leads me along the right path for his name's sake because my grandmother is the one who took me to church, right? She took me to church my whole life. I was at that church for 36 years before I came to Life Church. 36 years. She was there when I was licensed as a preacher. She was there when I was ordained as a reverend. And Funny thing is, uh, I remember being over the evangelism ministry, and I was going door to door, knocking on these doors, uh, you know, asking people if they needed prayer uh, or if they needed any type of services, things like that. What can we do for you? And then this older, older lady comes to the door. She, and not, my, my country twang, I already told you, right? She comes to the door. She said, hey, baby. I said, hey, how you doing, ma'am? Um, listen, I was just coming to see if you needed prayer or anything. I come from Greater Mount Tabor. She said, Greater Mount Tabor. Hmm. Okay. Who's your kinfolk? I said, Ma'am, my, uh, well, my grandmother is Beatrice Tench. She said, Dimp? Oh, that's my girl. See, they called her Dimp because of these dimples right here. <laughs> so for her namesake, she's up and down the right path for her namesake. She created this environment where I felt protected, where I felt provided for it, where I felt personal, where I felt her presence. And because of that, I was able to experience rest How many of us want to experience that type of rest? I think we all want to experience that type of rest, that where we can feel the protection of God, where we can feel the provision of God, where we can feel the personalness of God, that God sees me, and that we can feel his presence. And for us, it may not come in a person. It may come in a perfect situation. Maybe you have a situation that you view in your head that's going to make it better. Maybe there's a mindset. Sometimes the situations around you don't change, but what changes is your mindset. Some people have to stay in their situation longer. I'm, I'm blessed that she got me out at 14, but you have some people at 40 and even 50 who are still going through those same situations. But what I've came to tell you is this truth. God provides an environment where we can find rest even in the midst of those type of situations. And David does a good job of showing this throughout the entirety of Psalm 23. But today, what we're going to do is focus on on Psalms 23, verse 4, which reads, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What truths can we engage within this text that will sharpen our image of Christ and um, allow us to come into a truer experience with God in his rest? Let's look at the first part. Let's highlight that first part. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The first thing we can engage in this text to help us sharpen our image of Christ is this. No matter where life takes us, we can experience rest. 
Think about that. Think about the valley of the shadow of the dark. What kind of images does that bring to your mind? Think about the dangers that are in the dark. Think about the dangers in the valley. Think about the situations that you would see. What kind of image did David want us to see? Well, I would suggest that this is the image that David wanted you to see. This right here is the path from Jerusalem to Jericho. And as you can see, that's some rough terrain. And the shepherds would have to bring their sheep to the green pastures. Y'all see the green pastures? Y'all see them way down the deep, dark valley? And as you can see, I got some pictures of some sheep right there. You can see the shepherds, modern day shepherds, actually leading them down. This is the image, I believe, that David wanted you to get and see when he was talking about the place where God still allows us to find rest, even in a rugged and terrible terrain such as this. Gerald Wilson, who is, uh, was the author of the commentary I used to study and prepare for this message, he shared uh, his uh, experience hiking down. This is called the Wadi Quelt. Kelt. Uh, he said that he clung to the, the, canon, the canyon walls. Jared told me he was actually there too. He's actually experienced this. So if y'all want to know about it, ask Jared. He said he clung to those canyon walls as he was hundreds of feet in the air. Several hundreds of feet in the air. He's, cl- he's clinging to these canyon walls as they're walking through. And he said that as you went down deep into the, get down to the water, you were going to the shadowy depths. It was dark, even though it was early in the morning. Um, and he said that it, and he was very reluctant because of his fear of heights to go through, but it took a couple times of him following his instructor who was taking him through until he got to the point where he just trusted wherever he was going and he got rid of the reluctance of this fear of heights. He said at one point he ran out of water and he stopped here in order to go get some water in that building right there. He said that when the water came out the cistern, it was almost boiling hot. He said this, and this was his ending, this was his ending thought. I had enough trouble dragging myself up and down those rocky hills. I cannot imagine the difficulty of herding a whole flock of sheep through the valley of the shadow of death. But understand this, this passage is necessary. If David is putting himself in the presence of the sheep, sheep need to eat and drink every day. This passage is necessary, this passage is cyclical. And so what that really speaks to me is this. As we live life, we never really leave the valley of the shadow of death. We continue to pass through it over and over. Can anybody attest to that in their life? Okay. But what the promises that it's given us is this, that even though we continue to pass through this area, there's something about the shepherd that allows us to find rest, even though we stay in these same types of situations. Imagine that. As you continue to pass through this, you continue to go through here as a sheep. I can imagine a sheep even being afraid the first time, like, what the heck? Where is we going to go get this water? Right. But then after a while, they become understanding and realizing they need to follow their shepherd as they're going through, as they're going through. This reminds me of James where he says, count it all joy as you fall into diverse temptations. He gets to the point, he's talking about how, pa- how it'll have it, patience will have its perfect work in you. How you'll become better because of the situations that you're going through. So we're going to continue to go through these situations, continue to, to depend on our shepherd Jesus. And because of it, we're going to be better. No matter where life takes us, we get to experience his rest. 
The second thing we can engage into this text, let's highlight the second part of the verse. Let's get to it. It is, I will fear no evil. So the second thing that we can engage in this text to help us sharpen our image of Christ is that when life throws its worst, we can experience rest. If you ask me, in that environment that we just looked in, how many would say that fear is the correct response? <laughs> y'all saw the heights? Y'all saw the cliffs? Can you imagine walking on the side of that? Like, fear is the correct response. That's a threatening setting, right? Uh, the possibility of death is true. The possibility of falling to your death, the possibility of being dehydrated is true. Um, these are very real fears, but yet we see David expressing some type of peace that doesn't make sense. The Bible says it like this, the peace that surpasses all understanding. In a closer inspection, it's even crazier, right? Because sheep are docile animals, meaning that they, are, um, they can be attacked by predators very easily, right? And in this situation, if this is the only place where you can drink and where you can eat, how many know that there's going to be predators in that situation? But get this image in your head. Here we go. We've gone down to this place, and this is a beautiful image of life, right? Um, this beautiful image of life, and what this is saying to me, how this is speaking to me is this, is that as we go throughout the resources of life, there are those who are under the covering of a shepherd and those who are not under the covering of a shepherd, but they enjoy the same resources. The Bible speaks about this all the time, that we're enjoying the same resources. But there's something different about those who are under the care of a shepherd versus those who are not. Has anybody ever saw a wild dog that's been through some things and the way that they eat and everything when you bring them into the shelter. <laughs> They're anxious about everything. But have you ever saw a dog that was well taken care of when they come in? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anxious for nothing. Why? Because they're under the care of the shepherd. And because they have the shepherd who is their provider, who is their protector, they're able to find peace. They're able to find rest. Even in the presence of evil, I will fear no evil. In very real dangerous situations, I will fear no evil. So when life throws its worst at me, I can still experience rest. The third thing that we can engage in the text, let's go to the third part real quick. And third and final part. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The third thing we can engage in this text that will help us sharpen our image of Christ is this. Since we have a Savior who is present, we can experience rest. Since we have a Savior who is present, we can experience rest. One of the highlights in this text is this. The tools that the shepherd is using. I want to just explain some of that imagery real quick. First thing we see is the rod. The rod is for protection. So when we hear them talking about the valley of the shadow of death and talking about evil, we hear them talking about uh, the shadows of evil, but we don't hear them talking about the evil itself. Because if you think about it, think about it from the perspective of a sheep who is behind a shepherd. You never really get to see the evil because the shepherd is in front of you protecting you from the evil. And he uses that rod to beat him back, beat him back, beat him back. And simultaneously, that same rod is also an image of love. Because why is he protecting you? Because you belong to him. He's protecting you because he loves you. You are his possession. Next, we have the, the staff. Staff, which is guidance and assurance. As you can imagine, as they're going through um, this place, this dangerous terrain, the first time they're probably a little frightened. 
But as they get more and more used to going through the situation, now they know that all they got to do is focus on the staff of the shepherd. If y'all know that staff that has the little hook on the end. Everybody remember? It's, just, it's, it's a long staff he uses to walk through and navigate that rocky terrain. If, as long as I follow that click, I can just imagine him hearing that click. Say, as long as I know that, then I, um, I have the guidance and I have the assurance that we're going to make it to the destination that we set out to go to. The staff is also an, an image of, for correction. Because sometimes you're not paying attention, you're sheep, you get a little bit off the path, and what do you do is you use that hook and he'll gently guide you back into the fold so that you can stay with the rest of the sheep. It's also a symbol of freedom. As you can imagine, sometimes the sheep, with all that fur, they'll get stuck in a thicket, or sometimes they'll fall into a place where they're a little bit unreachable by their natural hand, and they'll use that hook and pull them and set them free. How many people want to be set free? Amen. Lastly, it's a symbol of rest. I'm reminded of Genesis when he created the world and he said on the seventh day he rested. Look at the shepherd leading by example, showing us how to actually find rest and to operate from rest. Because they would use that staff, they would lean up against it when they got tired, and and they would use it as support in order to get the rest that they needed in order to go on for the rest of their journey. That almost takes me back to that image of showing up for revival at church to get the rest that we need, to get the revival that we need in order to continue on our journey. These symbols show us the benefits of being in the presence and also not just in the presence, but in the correct position behind the shepherd, right? (laughs) In that correct position. Um, When we allow him to be our king, the righteous king of our life, and to be our shepherd, we gain the the gifts of his presence. We have a savior who is present, So we can experience his rest. The Lord is truly our resting place. What I want to challenge you today to do is this, is to sharpen the image of God in your head. I want you to feel him as protector, provider, personal, and present. But in order to do that, you have to allow him to be shepherd of your life. Imagine what David is really doing here. David is a king. And in this time, the kings called themselves gods. But David is calling himself a sheep. So in order for us to experience that type of presence that David is talking about, we have to make the same declaration that David made. The Lord is my shepherd. Somebody say that with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I need you to say it like you mean it. The Lord is my shepherd. It is only in that declaration that we are putting ourselves in the right position behind the shepherd. The same way that April Father used to do when he was getting ready to go into the pulpit. He's intentionally setting himself behind him. We make that declaration. And in order to make a declaration like that, we need to be intentional about it. And here's a few steps that we can do to be intentional about making the Lord the shepherd of our life so we can experience his rest. First thing we need to do is a self-assessment. And in that self-assessment, we got to challenge ourselves to see what image do we have of God. Is he our protector? Is he our provider? Is he personal? Is he present? We need to do that self-assessment to see, to get a temperature on our relationship with God. Next, we need to assess that image. We need to say, is that image clear or is it blurry? Meaning, is God near or is he far? How does he feel to me? How do I feel? uh, uh, Am I close to God or am I far away from him? Next, we need to ask ourselves a question. What's keeping us from sharpening that image of God? 
because uh, you know, because sometimes we feel certain things. And I want I didn't mention this in the first service is that those are emotions, and emotions are not a bad thing, unless they're used in an improper way, right? Emotions are God given um, in order to lead us in the right direction. But we need to ask ourselves, why do we feel the way that we're feeling? Do we question his character? Do we need to go sign up for a life group so we can learn more about his character? Um, do we have, are we angry at someone that we need to forgive? Or do we need, are we angry at God? How many know that you can be mad at God? I ain't saying he deserve it, but I'm just saying. Sometimes we're angry at God. But we need to do that assessment. Sometimes we have unrepentant sin. Anybody ever know about that? Anybody know something about that? Only, only the pastor. Okay. None, none of you sinners. I don't know why I'm preaching to you. So, <laughs> so and sometimes we have to accept God's forgiveness because a lot of times we are harder on ourselves than God is. God has already forgiven us. Anybody know about Yeah, I see the hairs nodding. Yeah, y'all understand what I'm saying. The second thing we need to do is this. We need to take the, based off of our self-assessment, we need to take the necessary steps to relentlessly uh, approach sharpening the image of God that we have so that we can truly experience the Lord as our resting place. So check this out. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go back to Psalms 23, and we're going to experience it in two new ways. First, we're going to read through it in a book with some images. And then secondly, we're going to sing about it. And I want, you, I want to invite you again to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you as we go through it. I'm ready. Psalms 23, illustrated by Tim Ladwig. The Lord is my shepherd. Can't, can't let the coffee go. Sorry. The Holy Spirit was speaking through this. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Yes, God. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. back i hope you enjoyed that message i also hope that you're reflecting on rest and how it's necessary a necessary piece and part of revival hope that you find rest this week but if you're going through anything whether it's something you heard in the message or just need prayer in general feel free to reach out we believe that you belong and we'd love to support you and get you connected to this church so fill out a connect card is going to be your best and quickest way to do that uh, again on our website or our church center app but fill that out let us get you connected let us pray for you uh, and just learn a bit about who you are but like i said hope you find rest this week and that that rest leaves to God reviving areas of your life or your faith. Have a blessed week and we'll catch up with you again real soon.